when I was in the concrete business, we would, we would pour hundreds of yards of concrete in one night, like, like 10, 20, 30 trucks at a time, and spread it out and make it super flat and super smooth. And everybody gets to see the finished work on top, but nobody hardly gets to see what happens on the inside of the concrete. And concrete needs to be solid, right? It's your foundation. Everything is built on top of your foundation. If your foundation isn't solid, you can make it as pretty as you want, but it just may come crumbling down, right? So what we got here is we got two pictures of concrete. I'm, not, I'm not, trying not to take you to concrete school, but, but this is a bad sample of concrete, and this is a good sample of concrete. You see there's a lot of voids in this one? Yes, pastor. Okay, you see this one doesn't have a lot of voids? Which one do you think is stronger? B. Oh, I didn't even know there was a B on there. Great. B is stronger. Why? Because B is solid. As believers in Jesus, we need to be solid in our relationship with Jesus. You see, to get concrete to look like this, it takes a little bit of work. It takes some pushing. It takes some pressing. It takes some shaking, some jiggling. Say jiggling. You never thought I would say the word jiggling in the sermon. <laughs> but it takes some, some shaking. Why? Because this is air. All these voids are air. This is concrete that's been pressed down, shaken together, stirred around, vibrated. It's been under pressure. And it squeezed the emptiness out of the concrete. Can you see that? So we used a couple of tools that we used to pour concrete with. One was called a concrete vibrator. It was a big old head. It was a long, um, like, like, looked like a rubber hose. And on the end of it was this metal bit that you would stick in the concrete and it would vibrate like crazy. And when you would do it, the concrete would just settle into the corners and into all the little voids. And so you'd have a pile and you'd stick the vibrator in there and it would, it would just kind of melt. And what you did is you just shook all the air out of it, and you got it to settle down. Say settle down. You need to remember that word. We got it to settle down. We got the voids out of it, and we made it more solid. You getting this? We had an old tool one time we had to use on a certain project. It was called a jitterbug. It's what the old timers used to use before they had the electric and gas-powered concrete vibrators. And it was a, a metal plate that was hooked to two handles and they would walk in it backwards and they would shake it like this now this is a 5,000 square foot building how many of you would volunteer to shake every square inch of this building say it's work say it's effort say it took energy what did they do they pressed it they shook it they moved it around to get the voids out of it Christianity with no problems and no trials has a lot of voids in it. A life that doesn't have trouble has a lot of voids in it. Good news is if you're going through some stuff, that's good news because God's shaking the voids out of your life. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you responding. But today I want to I talk to you about affirmation and how we need to find our affirmation from God and not necessarily from anyone else. Go with me to Matthew chapter 3. I want to show you in the life of Jesus. How God affirmed Jesus. God is an affirming God. I don't know if you know that or not. But he brings affirmation into our lives. Christianity is not a 
religion of you do so God can love you. It's a relationship with Jesus. You got to understand that God has already determined how much he loves you. When he gave it first, he gave it all. Right? Christianity is not about I need to be this or I need to be that so that I can get some more of God's love. He loved you in your darkest condition. He loved you in your lowest position. Are you hearing me? He loved you with your ugliness. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I remember when you was ugly. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Watch this. Jesus is going to get baptized by John the Baptist. Now, you've got to remember, Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. So he felt like we feel. He thought like we thought. He, he sensed like we sensed. He went through what we went through. He got hungry. Like you hungry. Some of you are hungry right now. So Jesus is going down to the river to get baptized. We pick it up in verse 16. Watch this. It says, after his baptism, in other words, after he came up out of the water, Jesus came up, oh, there it is. Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were open. Now watch this. Jesus comes out of the water. Now we baptized some folks a couple weeks, weeks ago. 23 people got baptized. It was incredible, right? Every time somebody would come out of the water, what would happen? Woo! We would celebrate, right? Jesus comes out of the water, and the Bible says the heavens open. The baptism was cool enough, but now the heavens are open? <laughs> I want to be there for that. It says the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and set, settling on, on him. Verse 17, and it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. So put yourself at the river today. Jesus comes strolling in. Nobody knows who Jesus is. John's been baptizing and he's been telling everybody about the one that's coming. There's one that's coming. I'm not even qualified to baptize this brother. I'm not even good enough to tie his shoes. He's coming. And when he comes, he gets baptized by John. He comes out of the water. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove settling on him. And then, watch this, a voice from heaven. Everybody that was standing there heard this voice. A voice from heaven speaks. Now, come on. You would probably poo in your pants if you heard that voice. Let's just get a little bit real this morning. Come on, you'd be like, this is my, listen, listen, this is my dearly loved son. I am well pleased with him. He brings me great joy. Pretty incredible, right? I'm like, are you there? Are you standing at the riverbank right now watching and listening to the voice of God say, this is my son. My dearly loved son, whom I love, who brings me great joy. He is my son. Pretty incredible, right? Now let me show you something about this. Up until this point, Jesus has done nothing miraculous. He's done nothing to earn that kind of affirmation. He didn't earn this affirmation. 
God gave him the affirmation before he deserved it. Jesus didn't do anything. He didn't turn the water into wine. He didn't, he didn't raise somebody from the dead. And then God said, oh, this is my boy. No, he didn't do that. God said, this is my son whom I dearly love, who brings me great joy before he did anything. Oh, you got to get this today. I'm telling you right now. Some of you think that you got to do the next thing for God to love you more. And that's a lie from the enemy. And he's got you bound by that. Because now you're in a works situation with God. You can't live and enjoy God if you're in a works type of situation with God. Because you're trying to earn something from him that he's already given you. Now watch this. This is, this is pretty crazy. So that's the end of chapter 3. Verse 17 ends with, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. One verse later, he goes from, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy to, okay, buddy, it's time to go to the desert and get tempted. You see in this? What was going to get tempted? Whether or not he was going to believe that he was the dearly loved son. Who brought God great joy. The devil wants to convince you that you're not God's son or daughter. He wants to convince you that God does not find joy in you. That's the temptation is to believe something different than what God just affirmed him with. You see God affirmed him. And then sent him out. This is important. If you get sent out before you're affirmed, you're probably not going to make it. And we're going to talk about why. But you're probably not going to make it. Jesus leaves the river, goes into the wilderness in one verse, just hearing, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You see it? The trials that are coming at you, the temptations that are coming at you, the fight that you've been fighting is not there because you're all that in a bag of chips. It's there because God affirmed you and the enemy's trying to convince you otherwise. He's trying to convince you that you're not his son or his daughter. He's trying to convince you that you're no good, that you're the barnacle on the bottom of a boat in Cameron. That's an old school Pastor Bubba line right there. Come on, I brought it back. (laughs) in one verse Jesus goes from man everybody heard I'm God's dearly loved son oh did you hear what God said about me to now you're in the wilderness being tempted and tested say hmm hmm God affirmed Jesus before he sent him into the ministry. God affirmed him before he did anything, right or wrong. God didn't send Jesus out without his affirmation. Jesus walked into the wilderness knowing who he was and whose he was. Now you got to know, every believer needs to know who he is or she is and who he or she belongs to. Amen? 
you got to know who you are and whose you belong to. If I said that right. <clears throat> Look at your neighbor and say, I got to know. I got to know. <coughs> if God doesn't affirm you, other people will. We're beings created to be affirmed. Affirmation is not a bad thing if it's coming from the right source and you're getting it for the right reason. Amen? We are created to be affirmed. If God had to affirm Jesus, he has to affirm us. Amen? So you need to be affirmed, which means simply you need to be solid. No voids in your life. No more questions of whether or not you belong to God. Come on now, this is going to die today. you got to settle the fact that I am a child of God and nobody is going to convince me otherwise. I will fall, I will stumble, I will be stupid, but I will still be God's child. That's what you call solid. Amen? People want to label you many things. Unfortunately, most of them want to label you the wrong thing. As a parent, it's vital for me to affirm my children. They need to see and hear and feel their daddy say, I love you. You're my princess. You're, if, he's, if they're girls. <laughs> Day and times, I'm just saying. If it's my son... You're my, you're my champ, you're my boy, you're the prince, right? They need to learn how to receive affirmation from a father figure so that one day they can receive it from God. Amen? Because they can't get affirmed by me for the rest of their life because one day they're going to leave the nest. <laughs> That's just me talking big. I really don't want them to leave. But they will. But here's what's crazy about affirmation is we'll float on the praise of people, yet we'll sink quickly when that praise is not there. <laughs> we will float, man. I'm not talking about like I'm talking about like the floaty at the at the pool, the one with the, the, the little palm palm tree that's blowed up, and you got the little drink, and you're laid back, maxing and relaxing on the praise of people. You're like, oh, I'm the man today. Woo! And then when they don't give it to you, all the wind comes out of your little floaty and you sink. And then you start doing some bad stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Is that all right? Good so far? So quickly, let's settle this issue. How did Jesus stay affirmed by God? Three points real quick. How Jesus stayed affirmed by God. Because see, God can affirm you, but you got to stay affirmed. Say stay. You got to stay affirmed. Watch this. Number one, Jesus was obedient to God. That's how he stayed affirmed. He, he did what God told him to do. Now, how does that keep you affirmed with God? When you do what God says to do, you get this holy satisfaction of going, man, I did what God said to do. Wow, it worked. Wow, it's incredible. Wow, he loves me. Wow, he knows my situation. What does that do? It reminds you that you're a child of God. So if the Bible says don't get drunk, don't get drunk. Well, Pastor, can I have three drinks or two drinks? 
the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, then go love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever you would do for you, do for your neighbor. And go get you some of that experience. Go get you some of that moment. Because in that moment, you're going to get this holy satisfaction inside of you that goes, man, I am child. I am God's child. I really do belong in the kingdom. I know I got failures, but man, God just used me. The greatest deficit in most of our lives is that we're not being used by God and experiencing the joy that comes from that. You don't know what it's like to be obedient to God and have that experience. I brainwashed my kids at an early age. We go through the neighborhood and, and hustle, not hustle, but we go through the neighborhood and bless people. We wouldn't steal from them, we would bless them. Six in the morning, I got my kids out, we're washing the neighbor's car. You know why? Because I wanted them to know what it was like to experience blessing other people. I wanted to get them hooked on it. <laughs> Amen? Come on, we don't need to live with voids in our life. We need to know what it's like to be obedient to God and experience that satisfaction that comes from that. Number two, he was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now watch this. Come on, Anna. I'm going to use Anna for an example. I didn't warn her. If I'm the Holy Spirit, because I'm big, okay, Holy Spirit's big. If I'm the Holy Spirit and Anna is going to be led by the Holy Spirit, then that means that I go before her. She follows me, right? I'm the Holy Spirit. She's following or being led by the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit does this. Here's the problem with most of us. We want to be up here and the Holy Spirit's back here. And when we mess up, we're going to go, can you fix this? That's not being led by the Holy Spirit. That's being led by yourself. And then trusting God for a bailout. Make sense? Thank you, Anna. He was led by the Holy Spirit. That means you've got to slow down a little bit. The third thing was he heard God's affirming voice regularly. Say regularly. Say it like you're an Italian. Regularly. There you go. That's better. Regularly. He regularly heard God's affirming voice. Do you know God speaks to every one of us today? Look at me. God speaks to every one of us today. You can hear God's voice today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of your life as long as you want to when you open up his word to you. Regularly hear God's voice and let it affirm you. Amen? Wear your Bible out. Have to go get you. Don't get you a new one because you're tired of looking at it. Get you a new one because it fell apart. He heard God's voice, his affirming voice, regularly. Now go with me to Psalms 139. I want to show you something, and I'm going to get into a couple of points, and then I'm going to uh, wrap it up. Psalms 139, I want you to see, and I want you to hear something this morning. Psalms 139, watch this. You hear those pages? Man, that's paper. It's paper. So good. Paper's good. 
139, starting at verse 13. Watch, listen to these words that, that, that David is saying back to God. This is David's declaration back to God. And I want you to ask yourself, can I say with a genuine heart what David is saying right here? Watch this in verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of me and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. And as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious Are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Now, you know where that came from? He wasn't reciting somebody else's poem. That came from David's life. Come on, are you getting this this morning? It came from his life. It came from his experience with God. He, he went through, did David go through some trouble? Yes. D- did David make some mistakes? Yeah, he slept with a woman and then killed her husband. I'm not saying that's okay. <laughs> but he still felt the affirmation of God. Come on, somebody. And he declared that that's a declaration that comes out of his heart. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Look at your neighbor and say, man, God knows us. Can you hear that? Can you hear God's affirming voice right there? Answer me. Yes, pastor, I can hear. Like, you're not in like, uh, uh, anyway. Talk. I like it when you talk. Yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. Did you hear God affirming these men? All right. I don't need your affirmation. I just need you to open your mouth and let me know you're getting this. Amen. Because I got a long way to go, but we got a short time to get there. That is a song. I lost my place. So God affirms them. Here's here's the deal. God loves us, but we got to fight to believe that. You got to fight to believe it and you got to receive it. You just got to take it. Come on, somebody. Lisa nailed it this morning when she was praying. Lord, help us to receive your love for us. Help us to believe it. not all of us are there yet, right? Come on, let's get real. Some of us are still struggling to believe that God can actually love us that much. You see, there's a real temptation towards creating a false self. When you, when you don't know how to receive God's love for you and his affirmation for you, then there's this great temptation to become something that you're not. It's called a false self. There's a temptation. When other people accept you, it can bring up some real strong emotions. 
Like satisfaction, love, joy, peace, and happiness. Come on, let's get real. When people talk good about you, you the man. Girl, you look like you lost some weight. Right? Your hair is good, girl. Right? That's me getting puffed up. Okay? It's, it's, I, 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 it brings up some real emotions. Let's get real, right? It feels good. Come on. Everybody needs a little butter on their bread sometime. Come on. Bread with no butter is dry. And we need to encourage one another. We need to, 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 to appreciate one another and to talk about how good things are and how, and when you nail it, everybody needs a little cheerleader, right? Right? Because it brings up some real good emotions. It brings up some things. But listen to me. If you're not getting that from God and only from people, it's going to leave you hanging. And then when you don't get it, you're going to be tempted to become something you're not so you can get it again. You see it? It can be addicting. <laughs> These feelings are so strong, we'll often do whatever is reasonably necessary to become an acceptable person. I just want people to accept me. It can be more addicting than drugs and alcohol. And this can lead us to be something that we're not. And instead of resting in God's love for us, we're spending all our time, energy, and effort creating a false self that can receive love from as many people as possible. You know what I love about Facebook? I always tell you what I hate about Facebook. Let me tell you what I love about Facebook. You can see a lot of things about people. Right? There's some desperate people in the world. Posting stuff to get comments. Come on. Oh, I'm having a bad day today. And then you're sitting there waiting for comments to pop up. Whatever happened to encourage yourself in the Lord? Whatever happened to, to, to put some worship music on, kick the devil in the butt, kick him out your house and get your jam on? Come on, whatever happened to that? Since when do we start posting stuff on Facebook and waiting for people to affirm us? When we got a God who created us, who's already said who we are. <laughs> oh, I don't like when I talk about Facebook. Because it's real. If you live by the praise of man, you'll surely die by the praise of man. Here we go. The temptation to not be me. Three temptations I want to share with you this morning. And then we're going to wrap it up. The first one is this. Number one, you need to be taking notes. Listen to me. You need to be writing some notes right now. Here's the, here's the first temptation. I am what I do. It's called the performance temptation. I am what I do. This is how Jesus was tempted. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Jesus is Jesus straight out of, this is my son, who am I really love. He brings me great joy, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Say very hungry. During that time, the devil came and, the devil came and said to him, if, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. The devil took what he was physically, physically feeling and turned it into, are you really the son of God? <clears throat> he will use your belly 
to get you to question your position with God. If you are the son of God, it was a temptation to get Jesus to do something. Come on. He was trying to get Jesus to prove it. And the enemy's trying to get us to prove it. Oh, you're you're a Christian? Oh, you're a son of God? Well, then you better be this, and you better be that, and you better do this, and you better do that. Come on, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you need to do this. Tell these stones to turn into bread. The devil was questioning God's word from the very beginning. He questions God's words to us today. If. Come on now, just one verse ago, God spoke from heaven. This is my son whom I dearly love. He brings me great joy. You're going to work out, walk out of church today and the enemy's going to say, well, if you're a son of God, you're going to do this. And he's going to question your position with God. That's what he's after. He's after your position. He's after your affirmation. He's trying to get Jesus to prove something he already knew he was. As Christians, we should know who we are and whose we are, right? So when the enemy comes, we can poke slap him and say, bro, I ain't got time for that. Don't come around here with that. Come on. We don't need to be going, well, well, am I? We don't need to have an Eve moment. Really? You need to be so solid in your relationship with Jesus that when the enemy comes, you go, what you want? I ain't scared of you. Come on, you don't need to be naive. You don't need to be taken by surprise. You need to know the sucker's coming. Right? And when he comes, you need to be standing there like, you are punk. You ugly, you know that? You stink. You smell like hell. You look like hell. I'm not saying to say that or act that way out of a false belief system. I'm saying to do it because you're solid with God. Right? You know who you are, and you know whose you are. And that's not on the table anymore. We took it off the table. It's been settled. It's been done. I'm not questioning it anymore. Amen? It's a temptation to do. How did Jesus respond? Nope, 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 nope. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What did he just get a word from the mouth of God? Right? What was Jesus hanging on to? His affirmation. What was the devil trying to get from him? His affirmation. He wanted Jesus to start wondering who he was. Jesus said, no, bro. I live off of every word that comes from God. Why do you need to be in your Bible? Because you don't need to be a starving Christian. You need to eat on the word of God. Amen? That's how Jesus responded. He didn't have time for that. Don't fall for it. It's a trick. What was the last thing you heard the Father say? Listen to me, when you read your Bible, you need to have you a journal right next to it. You need to be writing down what God's telling you. You know why? Because many times I won't go back to my Bible. I'll go back to my journal and remind myself of what God told me in the private time. Amen? Because I'm going through hell in the, in the public time. 
right? You can't do anything else to make God love you any more than he already does. Number two, here's the second temptation. So the first temptation is, is I am what I do. Is that your identity? When people say, hey, man, who, who are you? Well, I do such and such. The second one is, is I am what I have. It's the possession temptation. I am what I have. He who dies with the most toys wins. (laughs) Did a funeral the other day. The man was laying in the casket, had a check in his pocket. I said, what's the check for? They said, we buried him with his money. And in a memo, we put good luck cashing it. True story. I am what I have. Second temptation, chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 8 and 9. It says, Next, the devil took him to a peak, to the peak of a very high mountain, and showed him the kingdom of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. (laughs) The devil's dumb, yeah. Who's he talking to? Okay, who's he talking to? He's talking to Jesus. Look at all these kingdoms of the world. I'll give them to you. You know, Jesus was there at creation. I will give it all to you, said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Here's the temptation. If I get enough, I'll be enough. What next thing are you waiting to possess that's going to make you all that? What's the next thing you need to buy to bring your soul satisfaction? Because it's going to last for a little while, and then it's going to run short on you, and then you're going to have to buy something else. And then you're going to have to possess something else. It's a trick, y'all. You'll never get enough. You can't fill an internal void with a material object. It doesn't happen. You can't find your affirmation from things. Come on. Some of the most affirmed people in the world are broken and ain't got nothing. If I get more, I'll be more. My worth, my my value, my reputation, everything is based on how much I got. I got this, I got that, I got all these things. And listen to me, God's God's not against you having those things as long as those things don't have you by giving you affirmation. Wood, plastic, metal, brick, it can't do what a few words from God can do. It can't do it. Here's Jesus' response in verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, be gone. Say that with me this morning with a little attitude. Say, be gone. You didn't have a frown. You got to get a little crease right here. Say, come on, say it again. Be gone. I'm trying to teach you how to talk to the devil. Not too much, but just, talk, just tell him, shut up. Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Hmm. You know, you worship what you serve. And you serve what you worship. If material things is your God, then you serve material things. (laughs) Is this making sense? Be gone. The third temptation was this. I am what others think. It's the temptation of popularity. 
I am what others think. Man, this is a big one. Come on, y'all. Let's get real honest this morning. How many of you, how many of you get worried about what other people think? Raise your hand. My hand's up. I mean, let's just get real honest. Come on, embarrass yourself today. You, you worry and you, you think about what other people think. <laughs> That's what's crazy. We, we spend more time thinking about what other people think about us than, than reading what God already said about us. Right? I love to be around solid, affirmed people because there's, there's no fakeness. There's no, there's no facade. It's just, hey, this is who I am. God loves this mess. <laughs> right? You don't like this, well, then you don't like what God made. Right? Man, you driving that old truck? Yeah, bro, it's paid for, cuz. <laughs> you don't want to do it? Oh, I want to do it every second of the day, but this one's paid for. <laughs> I am what others think. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. I want to show you something with Jesus. I want to show you how quickly people will turn on you. Come on, somebody. You know people will turn on you on a dime. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, verse 22. Jesus is in his own, his own hometown, and he had said some things. And everyone, it says this in verse 22, it says, Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. They loved him. Verse 28. He said a few more things, and then verse 28 came. Six more verses later, when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed through them or through the crowd and went on his way. In six verses, y'all. They turned on him in six verses. If you live by what people think, you're going to die about what they don't think. Come on. Jesus was not moved by that. I've been a preacher for 11 years. I've come to learn a very valuable lesson. I love it when people come to me after service and say, man, Pastor, that was a word. That was good. Preach, preacher. Oh, yeah. You the man. You the man of God. You great pastor. I like that. That's that's how I am. I mean, I'm real, y'all. I'm flesh too. I get it. I'm preaching from my own experiences this morning. I'm like, but I learned a valuable lesson that the same person that said, "Man, that was a word." Monday morning will be like, "Yo, bro, I'm tired of this church. You a punk, man. You don't even pastor people well. You a sorry sucker." And I'm like, and then I go from. You know what? I'm tired of being on that cycle. So you can tell me great word this morning and I'm not going to think anything about you. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm already solid. I don't need it. I don't live by it. It feels good. Come on, straight up. Let's get real. It feels good. Man, great job this morning, Pastor. Thank you. Praise God. Feels good. But I don't need it. Because I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning the same child of God that I was when I first met Jesus. When he affirmed me the first time, I'm going to be that same person that day. And you know what that does for me? That builds consistency in my life. 
It keeps me from going out and searching for things to, to fill these voids and give me feelings and, and give me what I need. It keeps me from being like a crack addict. Stealing, robbing, manipulating people to tell me how good I am. You see, as a pastor, as a preacher, I got to be careful to not use the bride of Christ to fill this emotional void in my life. Amen. If I live by your comments, I'm going to die by them also. Amen. I can't do that. I can't live by that. I can't manipulate you to, to make me feel good. It's just weird. It's funky. It's, it's awkward. How did Jesus respond? He passed right through the crowd and went on his way. <laughs> Come on, you need to be going on your way. Man, you're awesome. Praise God. You're sorry, sucker. Praise God. Be on your way. Don't stop and listen. Don't stop and bask in that and marinate in that. It's going to get you in trouble, Right? In other words, get off of Facebook, stop putting your junk on Facebook and waiting for people to marinate you with their praises. (laughs) I had a conversation this week about Facebook and it's, it's hilarious. I don't know if I need to say this or not. I probably don't. People don't need to know when you're clipping your toenails. People don't need to know when you're going to the bathroom. People don't need to know that the dog pooped on the floor. People don't need to know that much about you. All right, I'm stopping. I promise. I'm going to try. Jesus knew that the praise of man was only a temporary thing and it could not sustain him. Through what he was about to walk through. You see what Jesus. This is what you got to get. What Jesus was about to walk through. Could not be sustained by affirmation of man. That was temporary. It could only be sustained and accomplished. Through the affirmation of God. Are you seeing this? You can't fulfill the mission and vision that God has for your life with people's affirmation. It takes God's affirmation because sometimes you got to stand against the crowd. Sometimes you got to stand for truth and justice and righteousness. Amen. And you got to stand and you got to be a little weird and you got to be a little bit different because you're making a stand. You can't make it if you're living off of people's stuff. Striving, listen, striving for attention. Come on, you know what striving is? It's like riding a bicycle uphill. You're striving. Oh, I got to get some attention today. I'm running out of attention. Striving, you're working hard for it. God didn't create you to be like that. Laboring for approval. Come on, quit the job. Quit the job of approval. Resign today. Listen to me. People are going to talk bad about you. And don't let the devil convince you they're talking that much about you because they don't care that much about you. 
They're going to talk about you. They're not going to like your hairstyle. They may say they do, but then when they turn around, they're going to say how bad it is. I wouldn't have put them highlights in my hair. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. It's going to happen. Quit the job. I'm bald and beautiful, and I'm okay with that. Somebody say, you're bald. I say, that's right. Bald. God gave me such a good-looking head, I didn't need to hide it in hair. Right? When he looks down on me, he sees his reflection. Not all of y'all get qualified for that, but I do. (laughs) I don't know where the heck I'm going with all this. Jesus, God, God, actually, watch this. I'm going to wrap it up with this. In verse, in Matthew chapter 17, many chapters later, it's on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, Jesus took two or three of his disciples. He said, come on, guys, we're going to go up on this mountain. And then it was, the, it was called the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Moses. They saw Elijah. They saw all these guys on the mountain. It was like a, it was a, it was a transfiguration. And Jesus was in white. And, and Peter was one of the guys there, which I think is incredible. Why did Jesus invite Peter? Because Peter messed the whole thing up. Peter jumps up in the middle of it and says, hey, can I build a tent so we can all hang out in the tent? And then God speaks from heaven again. Watch what he says. Matthew 17, verse 5. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. He adds something to it. Listen to him. You see this? Look at that. He added something this time. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Why do you need to listen to Jesus? Because he lived an affirmed life. Because he wasn't swayed by people in the enemy. He, wasn't, he didn't give in to temptation. He didn't need anything from anybody that he was already getting from God. Amen? Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. And that's what he's saying to us this morning. And I want to leave you with this last verse. And then we're going to wrap it up in, in Romans chapter 8. And by the way, this will be next week's message. Romans 8, verse 15, it says this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you. Say adopted. When he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. 